You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, we're looking at living in a foreign land, living in a foreign land, believer strangers in the face of persecution. Yes, believer strangers in the face of persecution. Today, on Words of Encouragement. I told you you'd be seeing this picture again. One of these things is not like the other. Um, Obviously, one is standing out. Living in a foreign land, believer strangers in the face of persecution. We're going to talk more about persecution and facing that as we make our way through 1 Peter. Uh, But this is good stuff that we need to have in our minds and, and allow into our hearts In these days in which we live, the cloak that many believers have been hiding behind will soon be pulled back and it will reveal who we are. I believe we're living in a time where people are getting serious about their faith. Now that's good. But we're also looking and watching as people leave churches. Why are they leaving? I wonder if they had the faith To begin with, I wonder if they were coming out of obligation in their minds. Maybe they told their mama when they were growing up, I'll I'll go to church, mama. Yes, I will. There's no relationship with Christ. Church became a habit for them. It's what we do. It was a cultural thing. And there was a day that it was a cultural thing. In the 1950s, used used to, I would hear people say, preachers say, well, in the 1950s, people came to church. That's just what you did. And they were right. That's what you did. Was there a true walk with Christ happening? For many, yes, I would say yes. For many others, maybe not. Oh, but they went to church. Because you were seen as a good person if you went to church. And politicians suddenly get religion when it's election year and they go to church. I don't know if you've noticed that, but that that happens. But it's interesting how that works. But true walking with the Lord will persevere. Those who truly walk with Jesus will continue to walk with Jesus. And that means they will walk with other believers and they will worship with other believers and that they will come together for that purpose of worshiping the Lord. And so it's very interesting to me to watch what's happening in our world and, and to hear the cries of, of many who are saying, well, oh, Christianity's over. You know, it's all going down the tubes. The church is going to disappear. No. No, it will not disappear because God always has a remnant of people, of the faithful. Now, I, I'm not saying individual churches you know, meeting together that an individual church may not close, that's happening as well. But there will be believers. There will be some who are sticking with the faith, sticking with Jesus, walking with Jesus, and having a relationship with Jesus. There will always be some. Are we ready, though, is my question today. Are we ready to be recognized in the public as being a follower, a child of God? When faced with persecution, we must remember that we are safe in the arms of God. I'm going to ask if you will to stand in honor of the reading of the word of God from 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. I invite you to be seated. As we look at this today, Peter reminds these strangers, remember strangers living in a foreign land, he called them, uh, in, in my version, it calls them aliens. Uh, they are people who do not belong in these lands, but they are there. And I propose the idea that you and I are strangers in this world. We are believer strangers in this world. There's a distinct difference in us in this world. And... Uh, us uh, anywhere else, or anywhere else. It's that same thing. We're strangers wherever we go except for heaven. First Peter. Peter reminds these strangers living in a foreign land of the living hope that they have in Christ. As Peter writes to them, he seeks to help them to take their focus off of the persecution and to place it on what God has done for them. You see this. Uh, you see this in Scripture. There is a, there's a call to remember God. There's a call to look to Him. There's a call to remember what He has done for you. Because that's important. In a time of persecution, we focus on what ourselves. We focus on ourselves. We focus on the pain we may be experiencing. We focus on the audacity that someone would persecute me for my faith. Oh my goodness. And we have not been persecuted uh, and with the full meaning of the word persecution in this country yet. It has not occurred. And yet there are people, there, is, there are things happening in our world that we can point to and say, oh my, look at that. The living hope. The living hope he points us to. A living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a weakened hope. It, this is not a hope like I hope I passed the math test because I didn't study much kind of hope. That's this, kind of, this is not the kind of hope that he's talking about here. This is a living hope. With Christ, it is a living and alive, a hope that is alive. How did this living hope come about? It was through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at verse 4 to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And I almost hear, almost feel like Paul wrote that. I mean, it's just, Paul, is, Paul tries to get so clear about everything he talks about, everything, everything he writes. He, he tries to be so clear in it. Uh, but Peter does this as well right here. Not only do you have a living hope, you have an inheritance, an inheritance that cannot decay, it cannot become tainted, it cannot fade in its power. What is this inheritance? This inheritance of heaven, this inheritance that comes with your salvation. This is what you receive from God. This is something that cannot be taken away. The power of it cannot be uh, diminished in any form, in any way. 
And that's good news, amen? That's good news. We don't have to worry, oh my goodness, I had salvation, but somehow the little light in my salvation must have gone out. The battery ran down. I've got to get a new battery. Something's not right. Not going to have to worry about that. You have accepted Christ into your heart. Your salvation is secure in the hands of God. And nothing can diminish it. Nothing can take it away. What you have waiting for you is much better than you have down here. Do we like that? Is that good? What we have in heaven is so much better than what we have down here. Listen, heaven is COVID free. Heaven is disease free. Heaven is pain free. I want to go there. I don't Now that's up to you whether you want to go or not, but look, I want to go there. I want to go where God is, where there is a glorious place that is reserved for me, not because of what I have done, not because of anything that I can do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. I want to go there. We're not a citizen of this world. We're not. We're citizens of heaven. You and I were saved to a living hope. This is a hope that we have that will not fade away, will not fall apart. It's going to have its uh, its day. It's going to carry us through. It's going to uh, be okay. It's going to be safe. Nothing can harm it. Nothing can take it away. Peter reminds the strangers of God's protection of their souls. He gets He gets a little more clear here, a clearer. Look at verse 5. It says who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Who are protected by the power of God. Your salvation is kept, okay? It is protected. It is guarded by the power of God himself. Let's see. What agency or what uh, organization do you trust in to do what they say? What are some places? What are some? I think St. Jude's one of those. I know people who have had to go to St. Jude's and I've seen they've come back and they've told me, oh my goodness, they take care of you there. They take care of you there. They say they take care of you and they do. They make good on their promises. There are other organizations you know that you can trust. But this, this is your salvation. This is your salvation. This is, the, this is whether or not you're going to heaven or going to hell. This is serious business. And you want someone, not a man, not a woman, not an organization, not a club. You don't want anyone else being in charge of guarding your salvation. You want that guarded by the power of God. That's what you want. I, I'm, I'm not, I, that's what I want, and I'm assuming that's what you want. Because the power of God is going to be able to guard your salvation. It's going to be able to guard and protect your inheritance. The word translated for us kept in King James and protected in the New American Standard means to be guarded, to be or become secure and kept under watch. I love that. If your salvation, your inheritance as a child of God is being guarded by God, you have no need to worry that it's going to become misplaced or tainted in any way. I'm sorry, Mr. Beeman. I can't find that in your file. 
you know, you have a file and all it has is all the bad stuff and there's nothing in here about Jesus saving your soul. I'm sorry, I, we miss, must have misplaced it. You don't get to come to heaven, buddy. No, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about that because God himself is ensuring that I will receive my inheritance. When the time comes for you to leave this earth, your inheritance is secure and it's waiting for you. It's not going to be misplaced. Notice if this salvation is kept and guarded by God, then it is also not kept or guarded by us. Whoa, wait a minute. If it's guarded by God, then it's not guarded by us. That's a good point. If your decision to follow Him is real, your faith in Him will persevere. Oh, it will. You will be faithful to the end. Because if it's real, you will be. If it's not real, well then, you need to, re you need to go back and look at that. You need to go back and see, did I really, am I really trusting in the Lord for my salvation? Am I walking with Him daily? You see, it's a relationship. It's not just a one-time shot in the dark. It's not just a one-time, you know, oh, well, yeah. uh, it's not like, oh, I went and saw a concert. I bought a ticket and went, and, that, and it's all over now. No, no, you, you ask Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins. You repent. You're turning away from your sins. You're walking with Jesus. That is a, an ongoing process there. That is an ongoing relationship that you should have with Jesus. So if there's something that's not happening in that, in that area, if, there's, if you have just said, oh, well, I just, dear God, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart and save me. Yay, I'm saved. If there is no further walk with Christ, then you need to look back and say, Do I, am I saved? Have I, in my heart, am I serious? Have, has he come into my heart? Have I really been saved? It's time to look at that. Because when you leave this earth, that inheritance will be waiting for you if you are persevering to the end. Notice, believers must exercise faith to receive final salvation as well. Faith here is continuing trust or faithfulness. And they use the word to define the word. You're not supposed to do that. Peter did not conceive of faith as a single isolated act. Genuine faith persists until the day of redemption. Uh, that's real faith. Genuine faith, you're trusting in Jesus. Yes, I know there will be times when you do not trust in Jesus. Yes, I know that you will have tough times where you feel like, you know what, I got upset at somebody at church and I'm just not coming to church. Now, praise God, I don't know that that has happened here. If, if it has in the past, maybe it has, I do not know. But in some churches, that does happen. People let petty little things like that get to them to where they just decide, well, I'm just not going to church. Wow, really? You're going to allow a person to affect your relationship with God? Is that what, I mean, is that what you're saying? No, don't do that. Don't do that. I've always said, look, to somebody who says, well, I just think I'm just not going to go to that church anymore. I tell them, is that your church? Is that your family of faith? Is that where you have, you have been for a long time? Yes. Then don't let someone else dictate where you go to church. You stay at your church. You go to your church. That's your family of faith. Just because you have a discrepancy with someone doesn't mean you give up on church. It means you need to get right with that person. It means you need to talk to that person. And there's a whole, 
whole book of sermons on forgiveness in this, uh, in this book of his that can help us to deal with things like that. But our inheritance is for those of us who persevere, who trust in Jesus and persevere. And God knows the intent of our hearts. It is a faith that commits one to the keeping power of God. It is not man's power, but God's power, which, like a watchman at a city gate, guards the security of one who is trusting in him. Notice, we must continue to trust. David Brown, in his commentary on 1 Peter, said this. He said, the inheritance belongs only to those who endure unto the end, guarded in the power of God through faith. I like that. It is a now and later situation. The day you accept Christ into your heart, you were saved. The manifestation of that salvation, the full manifestation of salvation is not seen right away. It is, as Peter says, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, we're not, we can't see heaven. We don't see it. We don't see him. We don't see what it's like up there. We don't see our loved ones right now that are up there. But we will. We will. There will be a day when we will be there and, it, and our full salvation, what we've been saved from, saved from sin, and I say saved from this nasty, chaotic world in which we live. We're going to be safe from that. We are safe from it now. We're not going to be here. We're going to be there with Him in heaven to be revealed in the last time. When God's judgment day arrives, your salvation will be a reality. It will be truly manifested. You will be saved from His judgment because you trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. His death paid the punishment you deserve. No matter how bad things may be, no matter how hard you are tested in this world, you have an inheritance as a child of God that is secure as you are trusting in Him. None is being guarded by the power of God unto salvation if not walking by faith. You and I, stepping out in faith, walking with Him, trusting in Him, trusting every day. That this is not it. This world is not it. There is a place beyond this place. A place that we call heaven. Nothing on this earth can corrupt your inheritance. Destroy or lessen its power. Why? Because it's protected by God himself. Oh, that's good news. I don't, have to, I don't have to sit down here working hard, hard, hard to make sure that I get into heaven. I'm not working to get to heaven. I can't work to do that. God himself. As I trust in Him, place my faith in Him, God is protecting my inheritance. As a believer stranger, your salvation is guarded by God. Well, the third thing I see, Peter informs them of the fact these believer strangers will face various trials. I'm afraid that's true. Look at verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Oh boy, that doesn't sound good. Or temptations. These believer strangers are to rejoice. What? How do you rejoice in the midst of testing and trials and temptations? How can anybody rejoice? Hmm. The word, the word here, in this you greatly rejoice, 
even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. What is this? Rejoice in what? We rejoice in the fact that God has protected our inheritance. We rejoice in that. We rejoice. We look at the problem that we're facing. We look at the problem that, we, that is in our laps and that is in our lives and we say, wait a minute, I've got heaven waiting for me. I've got a God who loves me, a God who's guarding my inheritance. I'm going to be okay. This persecution, this trial, this temptation is not too big for God. And I've got something better waiting for me. I've got something better waiting for me. It's a different, it's focusing on the truth. Yes, the truth is you're in a trial, but the truth also is your inheritance is guarded by God. And you're going to be okay. That's the truth. That's what we must focus on. This life is all about focus. You and I, in the midst of various times of testing that we face, are, are to focus on our salvation. We're to focus on what we know we have. We're to focus on that which is protected by God Himself. As believers, strangers in a foreign land, these, they're, they're going to face some various times of testing. Believers, strangers, though, are not like everyone else. They are different. They will experience trials because they are different and because God is molding them into the likeness of Christ. When God is in the process of making you into a new person, you're going to face people who notice. And you're going to have people that look at you and say, what's going on with you? You used to come with us to go, you know, riding around town, drinking, whatever. You used to go with it. What's going on with you? And God is molding you into the likeness of Christ, and you're going to be different. He is separating you from the world. And we're going to experience trials simply because we're following Him. Look at verse 7. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The proof, the genuineness, the testing of their faith is more precious than gold. When God tests their faith, when God tests our faith, may it be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When God tests us, may He be able to see we've been faithful. We've been faithful. Not the, Listen, oh, but Brother Craig, I've messed up. I've done things that are against God. I've, I've sinned. I know I have, and I, and, and, and I know God sees that. Yes, but He's also looking for your faithfulness. The overall picture of your life, what does it speak? Does it speak faithfulness to Jesus? Or does it speak faithfulness to this world? What do people see when they see you? Do they see someone who occasionally, yeah, messes things up, but who gets back on track? Because if they see someone who is getting back on track, this, this track that they're on must be mighty important, important to them. This track that they're on must really mean something to them if they are trying to spend time getting back on that track after having gotten off of it. There's something that is inside of us that says, I belong to Jesus. You know, and yes, it can be a t-shirt if you want to get one. I'm a child of God. Go get your t-shirt. 
go get you a t-shirt that says I'm a child of God. But if you do wear that t-shirt, let me warn you, you better act like it. Because <laughs> if people see you wearing the shirt and you're not acting like a child of God, and you're thinking right now, I'm not getting a shirt like that. I'm not going to do that. It doesn't matter. People know that you go to church somewhere. They do know. They know that you've, many of them know that you say you're a Christian. So they're watching. They're watching. This world is watching all the time. When you and I are tested, my prayer is that we will show ourselves to be faithful to God. You will face various trials as a believer stranger in this world. Let me tell you, let your faith win out. Let your faith win out. The last thing we see, Peter urges these believer strangers to love and trust Christ. Verse 8, and though you have not seen him, and that is huge. <laughs> and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Warren Wiersbe says, Satan wants to use life's trials to bring out the worst in us. But God wants to bring out the best in us. If we love ourselves more than we love Christ, then we will not experience any of the glory now. The fire will burn us and not purify us. If we face a trial, we need to take the love that the Holy Spirit has placed in our hearts and we need to turn to Christ then we will find that the poison of the trial can be replaced with the healing of God. Turn to God. Turn to Him. Our love and trust in Christ can help us in times of trial. There was an elderly lady who fell and broke her leg while attending a summer Bible conference. She said to the pastor who visited with her, I know the Lord led me to the conference, but I just don't see why this had to happen. And I don't see any good coming from it. Wisely, the pastor replied, Romans 8.28 doesn't say that we see all things working together for good. It says we know it. Wow. That hit me. That hit me hard. I want to see it. I want to see, well, this is a trial in my life. How's this going to work for God's glory? How's this going to work for me? How's this going to be good for me? This issue, this trial, this temptation I'm facing. What, how's this going to help me? I don't understand it. I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see the good. I don't see the good. The Bible says we know all things work together. We know. It's a trust issue with you and God. God, I don't see how this is going to work out for my good. I don't see it, but I know that it will. I can't see how this could possibly be a good thing in my life, but I know that it is. I know that it is because you are in control of my life. You are in control, Father. And I'm trusting in you. And so it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Even if we can't see it. Trust in the one who loves you. Focus on heaven. Focus on what God has done for you. He is coming. 
you what you will receive, that inheritance that is for you, you will get it. You will it will be yours. You will receive it. Be faithful to the end. Trust in him. Ah, but it is not enough that we long for heaven during times of suffering. Anybody could do that. <laughs> Think about it. Oh, this is a time. Oh man, this I oh, brother preacher. I have been through four weeks of uh, oh my, not heaven. Let me tell you, preacher, not heaven. And it has been so hard. It's been so difficult. There's no way. I just can't. Oh, there is. You know, I I I wish I was in heaven. It'd be better than this. So we can we can long for heaven in a time of trial. We can do that. That's not you know that's not hard for us to do. What Peter urged his readers to do it was to exercise love faith and rejoicing, the readers themselves might experience some of the glory of heaven in the midst of suffering now. So you, you long for heaven, yes, but you focus on him. You rejoice in the fact that you have a place that is better than this. You have a place that doesn't have trials and temptations, not all this sickness, not all this chaos, not all this, this mess. Presented to us, all this mess that's presented to us in movies, on TV, and all around us. We have a place that's better. And Peter says, you, you need to focus on that. Because why? Because you're there if you've trusted in Christ. There is a better place. Look, I can get up in the morning when I was a little kid if there was going to be a field trip at school that day. Oh man, I can get up early. I can be ready. Because I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it. Now, test. Well, now, oh, my, drag me out of bed. Drag me out of bed. Just help me get to the door. I don't want to go take the test. I don't want to do that. But if I have something look, that I can look forward to that I know is going to happen, then I'm ready to go. And Peter says, that's the attitude. That's where you need to be. That's where you need to be. You're going to face persecution. There will be times when people, because of your faith, Understand, it's not, oh, I, I got persecuted. Somebody, I, I pulled out and I accidentally pulled out in front of somebody and they just got all mad at me and I got persecuted. Okay, okay. That's not a, that, well, that's not a, that's not religious persecution, okay? <laughs> that's not religious persecution. Religious persecution is you're being persecuted because of what you believe about God. That is persecution. And so when we get to those days, which I believe it's happening, I think we're going to get there. It, I, I really kind of feel like it could be during our lifetime right here on this earth where we watch and experience some, some true religious persecution in our own country. I could see it happen. Do I want it to happen? No. Is Brother Craig over in the corner praying, oh God, send the persecution? No, I'm not. But I, I, I can see it happen. I can see the wheels turning out there. And I can see what's happening, the way people are thinking, the way they're looking. I'm already, you know, they're already calling for the end of the of Christianity. They're calling for the end of churches. And they're, uh, I've seen many articles that are just doom and gloom about God. And I think, you know what? I know that there's some people that, that come to church on a Sunday morning with me who believe. And I know that they are seeking to follow Jesus. I, as long as I have brothers and sisters, I, I don't see it happening. I don't see the end. I don't see the end of Christianity. There will be a remnant. There will be a remnant. There may be a time where I'm the only one, where you're the only one around you. You know, nobody else around you is. You may be the one sitting there thinking, well, golly, am I the, is this it? 
trust the Lord. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die on that cross for you. He took the punishment that you deserve, that I deserve, for the dirty, rotten sins that we've committed. God said, I love you. And he said it on the cross. Jesus' arms outstretched. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. As we walk through 1 Peter, uh, we're looking at uh, being strangers in this world. If you have been changed by the power of God unto salvation, I mean, if you have received Christ into your heart, you are no longer a part of this world. You are a citizen of heaven and, well, you do not belong here. You are a stranger. The way you think, the way you act, the way you live is not going to be like everyone else. And you know what? That's okay. God is calling us out of this world. And as he calls us out, we must follow. My prayer for you is that you are following Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what that means, you can go to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com on the right-hand side. Uh, of that website, you will find uh, a presentation of the gospel. I encourage you to look at that, watch that, think about it, consider it, and make a decision to follow Jesus or not to follow Jesus. Remember, God loves you, and so do we, here at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.